something has come to my attention that I may have a bit of a character flaw. I know, I know. I didn't, I didn't see it coming either. <laughs> I didn't think it was possible. But I actually, um, I was talking with, with a staff member earlier this week, and um, she actually told me that I am really repetitious that I say the same things often. As a matter of fact, and I thought she was, she was lying because, because I thought she was lying. And then I talked to another gentleman who volunteers here who actually showed me a list of things that he has recorded in his phone. His name is Ryan, he's on the camera. His list of things that he has recorded in his phone that he says I say over and over. So what I found out was according to some people, uh, Rachel and Ryan, according to some people, they seem to believe that I have some redundancy problem. Um, I thought it was ridiculous. Like I know many of you are thinking that's ridiculous. And so then I, I was, I was, I was kind of bothered. I was like, okay, I'm going to try just all original things. I'm never going to say the same thing twice. So I'm, I'm just going to try to be super. And then I started reading the book of John. And what I found out was, at least according to John, Jesus was incredibly repetitious. Like Jesus had some things that he said over and over and over. So what have we learned so far? What we've learned is if you have a problem with my repetition, ergo facto, you actually have a problem with Jesus. <laughs> so there you go, Ryan. You recording that one? That's, that's what we've learned today. Um, <laughs> it was kind of funny. I was, I was reading John, though, and I was like, man. Jesus says the same things over, like he really wants some things to hit home. So he says them again and again and again. And so today, I know we've kind of been on John for the last few weeks. And so we're going to be back on John. I, I talked about John a few weeks ago. We talked about that John had a motive. Like he wanted you to know who the real God was. And he wanted you to fall in love with the real God. He wanted you to give your life to Jesus Christ. He had a motive. In them. And then Danny last week, Danny did an amazing job talking about John. And so we're going to be back on John today. But before I get into this message of, of a word that Jesus repeats a lot, at least according to John, remember John knew Jesus. He didn't hear about Jesus from baby mom, sister, cousin, Tracy. He knew Jesus. So he had walked with him and spent time with him. So John was recording things John heard firsthand. But before I get to the word that John says Jesus used a lot, I, I just want to just kind of play a little game here to see if we all have a shared understanding. So let's just do this. <clears throat> Whoever has a solid shirt on, raise your hand. If you have a solid colored shirt, raise your hand. Hold your hand up. So if you have a solid color shirt on right now, your hand is raised. If you don't have your hand raised, it means you don't have on a solid color, right? We all agree with that. So there's only two categories of people in the room right now. There are those with solid colored shirts and there are those without solid color shirts, right? Okay, put your hands down. If you, uh, whoever had coffee this morning, we'll say morning started at 12.01 a.m. Whoever had coffee this morning, raise your hand. If you did not have coffee, your hand is down, correct? So would you agree there's only two categories of people in the room, right? Those who had coffee and those who did not. All right, let's try this one. If you plan on getting up during the time I'm preaching, please raise your hand so I can have security escort you out right now. Okay, good. We got one. Dean, good job, good job, good job. He's actually security. Um, so, so that works. So we understand what whoever means, right? If I say whoever had the solid shirt, you raise your hand, and the people who didn't don't raise their hand, does that make me judgmental? Is that a Of course not. That's just us agreeing 
on an understanding of the word whoever. Kinley, my daughter, uses this term a lot. She'll say, whoever wants to play with me, raise your hand. <laughs> right? And, and to not raise your hand means you don't want to play with her. There is no third category of maybe later or I want to play another game. Like you're either in or you're out. And to know Kinley is to know there are only two categories in or out. If you want to go outside, raise your hand. And she's not waiting for later. Like, if your hand's not up, you're out. She's done. Okay? So that's the way whoever works. And we all have a shared understanding that this word whoever puts people into two groups. Those who have their hand up and those who don't, right? Is we good with that? All right, so this is a word Jesus uses a lot. So I just want to do a little test case here. He actually uses it over 15 times in the book of John. And those are just the times John recorded. John ends his book with saying, man, there's a lot more I could have told you, but I got other things to do. Uh, and so he, that's a paraphrase. But so 15 times. So let's just check out John 5, 23. Let's see what it says. It says, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Okay, keep that on the screen for me. Whoever, that's the word we just talked about. We all know what that means. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. So what we would agree on, the opposite of that is whoever does honor the son does honor the father who sent him, right? I mean, that makes sense. Whoever does not. So there's two groups of people. There's those who honor the son and there's those who don't. And so we agree that whoever has these people in two categories, if you honor the son, you honor the father. And so we can debate about what the word honor means. Like I believe to honor the son is to acknowledge him as the son of God, as God himself, as the savior, as the Lord, as the only way to heaven, as the only way to eternal. That's what I believe it means to honor the son. But we can debate that. What we can't debate is whether or not you can honor the Father without honoring the Son, because you can't, at least according to Jesus, as told by John, right? So we've got that one. All right, there's another one in John 6, 35, and it says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Okay, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. So based on the understanding that we all have, we can say whoever does not come to me will go hungry, and whoever does not believe in me will go thirsty, right? If, if we all agree on whoever, there's nothing else this statement can mean. You don't need a seminary degree to figure this one out. Like we look for all these devices and tricks and loopholes, but that just seems to say what it says, right? Jesus says, I am the bread of life. You're all gonna hunger for something. There's gonna be a desire in you for something. He says, I am the one who can fulfill that desire. I will fill your spiritual desire. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. To come to me is to be fulfilled. You don't search anymore when you found what you're looking for. He says, I am what you're looking for. Okay, and we understand that because it is a Whoever statement. There's another verse that we're going to talk about in just a second. And this is a verse that I'm about to share with you that, that has changed my life. So were any of you here January? Here, well, this is another whoever statement. Whoever was here 
in January of 2018, raise your hand. That's good. That means a lot of y'all are new. That's awesome. Okay. So January 2018, we did a sermon series uh, called um, the, the Best Sermon Ever, or The Greatest Sermon Ever, I think it was called. And we didn't call it that because I preached it, although I did a good job. But, but that's not what we called it that because it was a sermon where we took Jesus Christ's Sermon on the Mount, which I think is, it starts in like Matthew 5 and runs through Matthew 7. And we walked through that Sermon on the Mount, a sermon preached by Jesus, and we took like I don't know, 8, 10, 12 weeks just walking through this entire sermon. And while we went through that sermon series, like I changed the way I preached. I changed the way I did my notes. I changed even, I was even sitting on a stool. But something changed inside of me during that sermon series. Like God did something to me. Uh, the way I thought about God and the way I thought about ministry, all these changes started happening. And it wasn't just me. I was talking to Sherry Bull about this a week or so ago. And she remembers that moment because something changed in the house. And maybe you remember it. Like something different happened. It was like we were being called deeper than we'd ever been before. There was a tangible change and many of us noticed it. But the, the interesting thing about that was while we were going through Matthew 5 through 7 together, I was personally in my private time going through John chapter 6. And so for us, it was like a Sermon on the Mount moment. But for me, and I believe for you too, it was a John chapter 6 time for our church. So, so before, I, before I read this passage from John chapter 6, let me, let me set it up for you real quick. So Jesus was walking around and he had begun to draw a big crowd, right? And he did that in several ways. The first miracle he performed was at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And he went in there and they were running out of wine and they didn't know what to do. And Jesus said, watch this, wine. He took water and not Boone's Farm like y'all drink, like good, I'm talking about good wine, right? The good stuff, the, the stuff that, you know, the stuff you get at Chili's, the really good wine. <laughs> kidding. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like good wine. He didn't make cheap wine. He made good wine. And they're like, oh my gosh. And so when you do something like that, you begin to draw a crowd. And Jesus did that to prove that he came to bring abundance. He wasn't, he wasn't here trying to cheap anybody. He was bringing the fullness, man. And so Jesus does that. When, when you make wine at a party from water, you draw a crowd. Then a little while later, he goes in and he feeds 5,000 people with a couple of pieces of fish and a loaf of bread. And when you feed 5,000 people with a couple pieces of fish, you begin to draw a crowd. Then he saw this man who was blind and Jesus walked up to him. And Jesus spit in his hand and he wiped it in the man's eyes and the man could see. And when you make free wine and you give away free food and you give people sight again, you begin to draw a crowd. Then Jesus walks to this town where a guy named Lazarus has been dead for a few days, a few days dead in the desert. And Jesus goes, Lazarus, come on now, man. And Lazarus comes walking out like it's normal. Hey, guys, I'm back. <laughs> and this begins to draw a crowd, right? I mean, think about it. So, so Jesus has got this massive crowd, and everybody's following him because he's doing some amazing things. And they're like, man, more wine, more bread, more healings. And then Jesus, in this moment, when the crowd is at its large and they're pressing in against him, this is what he says in John 6, verse 53. And it says this. Jesus looked to the crowd and said, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise you up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them, just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. He's got this huge crowd and everybody's excited and Jesus turns and says, hey, I got an idea. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the crowd went like this. Ew. <laughs> e. I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, can you imagine how the crowd felt when Jesus turns to them and says, I've got an idea, cannibalism. <laughs> I mean, there, there was some confusion, right? People didn't get it. Jesus wasn't promoting cannibalism. This is the, the man who said, I am the bread of life. What he's saying is, if you want life, come to me, man. If you want life, feast on me. Like if you have an appetite, let me be the appetite. He's saying, let me be greatest in your life. Above everything else, let it be me. Above food and above water and above air and above everything else you have, let it be me. Like hunger for me. Forget about the free fish and the wine and the miracles, all those things. Just want me. Want me above everything and I will satisfy you completely. He said, eat my flesh and drink my blood and you will never, ever, ever hunger again. But the crowd was confused. Listen, listen to what happened in verse 66. It says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back. They said, no. And then he turned to, to his other disciples and said, you don't want to leave too, do you? That's what Jesus said to the 12 who were his boys. So Jesus makes this statement. He says, who's in, man? Are your hands up or down? I eat my flesh and drink my blood. Who's in? Who's in? And some people had their hands up, but a whole lot of people had their hands down. And then he turned to his disciples and he said, what about you? You've been hanging out with me for a while. You want to leave too? Your hand up or is it down? Are you in or you're out? So Jesus is making a whoever statement. And it's a whoever statement that demands a response. Are you in or are you out? Am I going to be Lord of your life or am I not? Is your hand up or is your hand down? What, what is it you want here? Do you want to be with me? Because if you want to be with me, then I must become Lord of your life. I must become your everything. And there may be a third category when you first start following Christ. There is. Because you're just kind of seeking and you're trying to figure it out. And he, God has incredible grace. He has incredible patience with our, with our seeking. But there comes a time when you've been seeking him for a while and you've been walking. He's like, all right, listen. Are you in or are you out? Is your hand up or not? I need to know. Will you eat my flesh and drink my blood? Will I be your everything? It's a whoever question and it demands a response. I think about this verse all the time. Like this is the one that keeps me up at night. I think um, in, my, in my first few years of, of being a pastor here, like, I was so concerned with drawing the crowd. Like I wanted to draw a crowd. Everything I wanted to do, I got here and there was, I don't know, 50, 60 people, and I just wanted more people, more people, more people. I wanted to go after more people, more people, more people, 10,000, whatever. And I don't think any of those things are bad. I think these are good things. And I think there, there's a time for that, and there's a time to harvest. And there's a time to go after more people, and, and that is my God-given DNA, and that part of me will never change, this desire to win more. But right now, God has me in, in a place in life where more than I'm concerned about winning more, I just want to win the ones in the room. Like, I want you to go deep. Like, I want to be changed. 
And I want you to be changed. And I want you to want to be changed. Like the people who are sitting here right now, I want you to know you, you, you are the one I'm after. And you're the one I believe he's after. And there is a shift in the way I'm preaching, and I felt it. I know some of you are like, man, Tommy's really gotten heavy the last year. Dude's always serious. He's always talking about, and you know, every Monday I come in and go, all right, I'm going to write something light today. God, I'm going to write glitter and rainbows. I'm just, I'm going to tell them what they want to hear because I know that if I tell you what you want to hear, you will like me. And people can grow great big churches by telling roomfuls of church people what they want. There is a pastor who, who preaches in the Superdome, man. His place is packed. He lands in the Superdome in a helicopter because people who are told what they want to hear are really good givers. <laughs> this is truth. And so there is always a temptation to stand up here and just tell a room full of people exactly what they want to hear because I know that will attract more people. And if I'm honest, there's something in me that would take some sort of pride or self-sufficiency and having a great big church that somewhere in my twisted little heart I would think that I actually had something to do with it. Like I, I might let my mind go there. But right now, all I want to do is take you deep. That's all I want to do. I just want you to eat his flesh and drink his blood. That's what I want to do. And it's why we offer you everything we offer here. It's why there's a table outside for you to sign up to be in a connect group, to read the Bible, because we believe that reading the Bible is feasting on the body of Christ. And we want you connected in community because we believe that inside of community you feast on the body of Christ. It's why we have a serve day. We're not doing a serve day to compete with people. We're not doing a serve day so we can have the most servants. We are doing a serve day because we want you to feast on the body of Christ and you cannot love God without loving people. And so we're doing a serve day in hopes you will come and serve and you will feast on the body of Christ. And some of you will walk out there today and your hand will be up. You'll be like, I'm in. It's why we pass offering buckets. It's why we take an offering. It's not to buy me a helicopter. I think y'all would notice it's because it's discipline, man. It's feasting on the body of Christ to share the resources we have for the good of the kingdom. Everything we do here is so that you would feast on the body of Christ. And there's going to come a day for all of you, no matter where you are in your journey with Christ, when Jesus is going to look you in the eyes and say, what about you? Are you going to leave too? Is your hand up or not? Are you in or are you out? You've been hanging out for a while. You've been talking for a while. Are you in or are you out? He just wants to know the truth. And there's something in me that hates things like this because I don't want to offend new people. And I don't want the people who have been here to think I've gone crazy and dislike me. And then I read John 7, and it says, Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth, and there is nothing false in him. There will always be a temptation for any of us to speak on our own for the purpose of personal glory. But for the man who does that, there is no truth in him, and there's something false. Guys, I was a liar for three decades, and I can't go back to that life. 
So what you're going to get from me is the truth. We will feast together on the grace. Guys, we will feast on the grace because I love it, I love it, I love it. But it is the truth that will set you free. So we will never, ever, ever avoid the truth here. And the truth is what Jesus said in John 12, 25. I believe this is exactly what he meant when he said, anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant must also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. I believe he means that. He said, whoever serves me must follow me. And what he's saying is, if, you, if you're calling yourself a servant, if you're calling yourself a follower, you must actually follow me. You must do what I do. You must love the way I love. You must sacrifice. You must do what I do. Whoever loves me, you're serving. Too many times we think this is like a, a mind thing, like we're following Jesus in our mind. Does this work in any other part of your life? Do you do the dishes with your mind? Like, mm, spoon, cup, plate, 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 bowl. Do you do the laundry in your mind? Towel, 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 sock. I mean, is this, does this work in any other part of your life? Is there any other part of your life where you can just think it? Show up to work in your mind, mother lawn? No. Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, you must follow me. Like put your hand up and let this lead to some feet that are moving and do some things. It's not enough to just sit around and think thoughts about God. That doesn't work in any other aspect of your life. As in John 14, 9, he says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. So what that tells me is whoever has my commands and does not keep them does not love me. Then he says, the one who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love them, and I will show myself to them. Love is not some abstract emotion. Like, we, we think love is something we think and something we feel. Like, I don't know what your love language is. Y'all ever read the book Five Love Languages? Whoever's read the book Five Love Languages, raise their hand. The rest of you should read it. All right, so my love language is words of affirmation, okay? I like to be complimented. So you can compliment me anytime you want to. Thank you, Kevin. I'm, that's, well, the rest of you can go later. But, so that's my love language. Like, if, that's fine with me. Jesus' love language is obedience. Like, he wants you to do, he likes, he likes us to sing his name, and he wants us to praise him. And I think when we're singing, I think Jesus loves it. I believe, I truly believe this, and this is just something I've learned in like the last maybe year or something. We are not singing a song by ourselves. We are joining in with a choir of angels, saints, present and past. God himself, the lamb is still like, we are joining in with all of creation and singing this incredible song. That is glorious. But at some point, there needs to be more than a song. you got to go and do something. His love language is those people who live out the songs they sing. He's like, yeah, that's right. Do that. Go and serve and give and read and learn and grow and be part of it. Don't just sing about it. Do it. Whoever implies whatever, whoever as always implied. And I'm not judgmental for saying whoever loves him does what he says. That's what it says. And there's a reward. 
for all those who will feast on the body of Christ. John 14, there are so many whoever statements, and I had to end with this one because I've got to end with grace and because I think this is so incredibly gorgeous. John 14, we'll start with verse 11. It says, believe me, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Gosh, that right there is just good. Thank you for that one, Jesus. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of what I've done. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. This is Jesus. Imagine he's talking to his disciples and he says, hey guys, listen. Whoever feasts on my flesh, whoever drinks on my blood, whoever believes on me and in me and through me and you give your life to me, you'll do even greater things than me. And they're like, like what? You brought that dude back to life, man. You remember that? You remember when you brought the dude back to life? We're going to do greater things than you? And Jesus is like, yeah. Yeah, because he goes on to explain this later on in John. He's like, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to ascend back to the Father. And when I do that, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit of the living God. And remember, when Jesus was walking with the disciples, he was bound by space and time. He could only be at one place at one time because he chose to be bound by space and time. The Holy Spirit is not bound by space and time. The Holy Spirit's in you and 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 you and in me. And He's a spirit of power and a spirit of truth and a spirit of glory and a spirit of might and a spirit of understanding and a spirit of knowledge. He is the power of the living God. And so he says, you're going to do the same things, even greater things than me. So I was reading that this week and I was like, man, how cool would it be if I believed that? How cool would it be if we all believed it? I'd love to do another whoever statement right here, but I know the truth. Very few of us believe this. And so I was sitting on that and just thinking, Jesus, I don't even know. And Jesus was like, hey, Tommy, when I walked the earth, when I walked the earth, people came to me and they were healed. Have you ever seen that? And I was like, I've seen that. He said, when I walked the earth, the dead were given life again. Have you seen that? He said, have you seen spiritually dead people come back to life? I've seen that. He said, when I walked the earth, captives were set free. He said, have you ever seen people bound by something set free? I said, yeah, I've seen that. He said, the hopeless were given hope. The crushed were given joy. The unloved were shown love. The left out were brought in. The fallen behind were pulled forward. The ones who were broken were repaired and redeemed and restored. He said, have you seen these things? And I said, I've seen them. And he said, you're doing things. It's happening. He said, open your eyes to the truth. You were in a church that's doing the things I did when I walked the earth. Amen. Please, and I mean this for the love of God, Do not lose sight of what's happening in this place. We are witnessing the very things that Christ said would happen. We are seeing people worship in spirit and truth. 
We are seeing captives set free. We are seeing people who are broken be healed. We are seeing people be transformed. We're seeing things restored. We're seeing things reframed. We're seeing things remade. We are seeing dead come to life. What he said was true, and I know because I'm seeing it. And so are you. Whoever, whoever, whoever believes, whoever will feast on the flesh, whoever will drink the blood, you will experience the glory of God. Maybe you're the whoever Jesus was talking about. Really, maybe it's you. Maybe when he said, whoever believes in me will do even greater things than me. Maybe it's you, Ariana. Maybe you're the one he was talking about. That God will do something so incredibly perfect and powerful through you that the world will be changed. Maybe it's you, Carrie. Raising those kids, fighting the fight. Maybe it's you. Maybe you're the one. Whoever, 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 whoever could be any of you. It could even be Talon. Whoever could be any of you. Like you could be the one. You could be the whoever who if you'll just believe, then God will ignite something in you and do something and people will follow you and you'll lead your family and you'll change the world. Olivia, maybe it's you. Maybe you're the whoever. Whoever. You get to decide which whoever you're going to be. Is your hand up? Are you in? Or is this just another intellectual experience that'll lead to complaining at the cafe? I wanna be in a house of whoever's that changes the world. And by the grace of my God, that's exactly where I am.